And women will have a great sexual connection with you and a desire for intimacy if she feels like everything about the two of you has been great. That I do everything right. Yeah, that's right. No, it's not like that. No, no, no. It's Valentine's Day and the perfect time to talk all about love and relationships. We're mixing it up a bit by getting a much-needed woman's touch for this podcast. My guest today is the love doctor, Jane Donovan. Now, the number one sexiest thing that guys can bring to the table, deep, he's, you should see, he's smiling so much here. He's so hanging off my every word here. What is it? What is it? What is it? She's an expert in all things lovey-dovey, helping countless men and women create and manage their love lives. Women in particular are very bad at falling in love with men's potential. Mm. So guys, you've got to watch that they're not falling for who you could be versus who you are because the pressure's going to be on you forever. She's a coach, an author, a presenter, a matchmaker, and the one who may have the answers to your questions about how to be the man worthy of love, how to express it, and how to find it. Welcome to Young Blood, a podcast all about young men's health. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our mission to talk about the stuff that matters and isn't talked about enough. Let's do it. Uh, Jane, what obstacles are young men faced with today when it comes to finding healthy romantic relationships? Oh, I think there's so many. But probably the first one is a lot of girls are very judgy-judgy. You know, we kind of do this thing of, uh, not, not for me, no, 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 no. You know the joke about Tinder is that, of course, well, actually you can get an app that you can download on your Tinder to swipe right on every female. To do it for you. Do it for you. Instead of sitting there going, swipe, 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 swipe. It does it automatically. And the joke, of course, on Tinder is that, you know, girls will go left, left, maybe right. No, 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 left. Very selective. Yeah, very selective. And guys, the opposite. And they're the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're breathing. <laughs> okay, you'll do. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I'm doing ridiculous sweeping generalisations yes. here. Um, however, in all seriousness, the number one self-sabotaging behaviour that I see consistently in all age groups is inaccurate judgments. So people making assumptions without knowing and they assume that, you know, this guy is X, Y, Z. You know, they're making that very fast first impression and it's often wrong, so wrong. And, and I know that in our everyday life we get surprised by people all the time, but people are not giving them a go. So the girls are not giving the guys a go. Having said that, you know, there's a lot of battles going on for the younger generation, particularly at the moment with social media, where they date in a different way. They don't date well, like my generation. Um, and so the whole build-up of conversation that's going on online is really hard for guys because 80% of women will say no to somebody if they've got a spelling or grammar error. I mean, like, really, that's harsh. That's very picky. I know, very picky. They, they think it means uneducated. Right. Uh, so that's what, you know, perhaps the way girls are viewing things, how are guys looking at stuff like, you know, that, that online dating world or meeting girls in person? How is that way we're viewing things changed over time? I think that the big thing that we've got going on and, and for all age groups is the supermarket shopping mentality. Next, next, The catalogue. Yeah, that there's this endless abundant supply of men and women for each other to be meeting. And so, unfortunately, a lot of guys will fall into that where they will be thinking, I can do better. I can do better. Maybe the next one's better. And, you know, the, the whole, this whole generation has dopamine addiction and that feeds it as well. So it's very hard for them. Often if they end up dating somebody and in a, a, well, a thing, it's not even called a relationship, they will sustain it for a period of time until the dopamine wears off, until it's not exciting. And then they want to move on to the next thinking the relationship's got boring. When reality, the relationship has got normal. And, and this, is, this is what real life is like. Uh, and so I think that is a problem for them, that they will constantly be seeking the excitement, for some, the excitement of that dopamine rush and adrenaline rush when they're meeting somebody new. And some people will become addicted to that and they will, you know, they'll come to me and say, oh, all my relationships end at five, somewhere between five weeks and, say, 12 weeks, eight, 12 weeks. And it will be that they have the addiction to that new experience as well as the addiction to the external validation of their worth. And guys, girls are, are the same in, in that respect. Absolutely, without a doubt. You know, we've got access to so much information and yet never before have we been 
so disconnected from each other, but also from ourselves. You know, the, the self-worth, the work that needs to be done on self-worth of, of knowing who we are and understanding everything about us, whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly, is so important for us to be able to step into relationships and dating, being the person that we are authentically and firmly, you know, knowing what we, who we are and what we want and then going after it versus being people-pleasing, um, seeking external validation. It's a big thing. And, and look, of course, when we meet someone and they make us feel good, that's a part of the journey. But we don't want to be addicted to that part of the journey and want to be repeating it all the time. How much is a fulfilling monogamous relationship the goal these days, would you say, for young men in particular? Are most of us out there searching for that or seeking that, actually wanting that, or has that changed? Well, what they're seeking and what they're saying are often two different things. Everybody wants love. Everybody. I don't care what age, what gender. Uh, I don't care, you know, what orientation, sexual orientation. It, everybody wants love. And so I believe everybody wants a relationship. However, there will be times in your life where you feel like it's not compatible and that there's focus on other things, whether it's career or travel or whatever. And so that's natural. But overall, people want love. They want that. You know, it's great. But you're saying uh, what they want and what they express that they want or show might be two different things. So how does that come into play? Why do we sometimes act like that's not what we want and we just want, you know, no commitment, no attachment, but really? Great question. Great question. Fear of rejection. Fear of what other people will think. Um, Giving our power away to other people instead of holding the power within us. And so, like, I organise dinners for six, three three ladies, three men to go out to dinners. And I'll have feedback from a guy that was, oh, I really liked, you know, Sue. However, um, you know, she just said she's just there for fun and having a social time. So don't bother, you know, I'm not going to ask for her phone number. Missed opportunity. She's Mm -hmm. saying that because in her mind it's, I feel desperate. I don't really want to be here. I mean, I want to be here meeting people, but I don't want people to think I'm desperate. Nobody wants to feel that. And nobody is desperate. All we're doing is grabbing different opportunities to meet. But speaking our truth and then not having that manifest manifestation happen is hard to take. So we can do one or two things. We either accept that this is how it is and look within at what we can change about ourselves, or we can blame external. So there'll be a lot of sweeping statements of, you know, oh, where are all the good guys? Oh, all the good guys are players. Oh, they've gone, they're married, and all that's left are players or um, no hopers or, you know, very derogative generalizations. Mm. And the saying that guys will say the same, where are all the good girls? They're all taken. Well, it's not true. It's not true at all. We need to look at ourselves and consider what is it that we can do ourselves differently so that we can have a different outcome. And in the younger age group, putting up that front of, you know, I don't want to rush into a commitment or you know, I'm not looking for something serious. Putting that up, um, that's a strategy perhaps because we don't want to straight, stay straight off the bat, oh, yeah, like I'm looking for love. I want to jump into something serious. You know, I want to find someone to be with forever because it might be perceived like, okay, that's a bit hectic, dude, like back off and then they're going to not be interested. So we want to come off as cool and play it cool when I suppose people have always played it cool, you know, wait three days before we call oh, someone or whatever. yes, I know. Let that go, everybody. Let it go. Well, no one even calls each other anymore, No, do they? I know. That's right. Send the text. But, you know, there is a fine line between being the creepy texter. Yeah. You know, I wrote a whole chapter about the creepy texter <laughs> in my book that talks about you know, you've gone on the date and, and it finishes at, I don't know, midnight, but for you guys, probably four in the morning. And <laughs> hey, sweeping generalisation. Um, and so, you know, you finish the date and he's already texting saying, hey, that was awesome. Can't wait to see you again. And, yeah. and she texts us back and says, yeah, that was a great night. Thanks. And he goes, yeah, so tomorrow? And yeah. She's going, can I just go home and process And then tonight? she gets, good morning, beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> like, and it goes whoa. on all day and very quickly it becomes the creepy texter. Mm. What is the creepy texter? Desperate. Mm. You know, and unfortunately you are going to be but judged on that. also, what if that guy, you know, he's he's acting that way because, you know, he's not paying the game correctly as it as it is in an unspoken rule, but really maybe he did actually really like spending time with her. He does actually want to be this sort of guy and have this sort of relationship and his fault is expressing that too soon and, and then freaking them out. But then the alternative is saying, oh, well, I'm actually not really interested at all. There's and a third one. Is that the appropriate way to be? No, so, there's a third know. way. And it's called speaking your truth kindly with connection. 
So let's say you do want to date. You do want to have somebody nice in your life. You do want monogamy, but you're not sure that you're really ready for, you know, marriage and kids. Be honest and just say, you know, I'm really enjoying getting to know you. I don't know where this is going to go. I do want to put it out on the table. I've got, you know, plans for career or travel or whatever it is I've got plans for. However, I am really enjoying getting to know you. And that's being honest. And then she has the chance to turn around and say, well, what does that mean? Does it mean you're a player or whatever? And you can be honest and say, no, I'm a genuine guy that wants monogamy. I just don't want anything too heavy, too quick, too soon. And yet I'm meeting you and I'm enjoying meeting you. Mm. So it's just your truth. You know, we make all these assumptions. The middle ground will always cover off. But, you know, with the creepy texter, the, the secret about any text, because everybody can be creepy texter at any point in our life over anything, you know, And so it is always about what is your intention for that text? I'm feeling insecure. I want to know that she was into me. I want to know that she enjoyed our time together. Therefore, you are giving your power away to another. Instead, if you wish to make connection with her, you make it about something you are giving to her with no intention of anything being received back. What's an example of that? It'd be like, you know, I had an awesome night. It was really great meeting you. That's it. That's it. End of story. What about courting? Where do young men fall down in this respect in this day and age? And what is modern courting and how do we do it? Okay, look, I think that that sometimes you can take uh, some things from the past and bring back that are actually, you know, good. We don't need to throw the bath out with the baby or whatever. What Chivalry is not dead. No, and there's not a female on this planet that doesn't enjoy that. You know, even the really strong alpha woman that's, in her own power, and she doesn't she doesn't need men to do anything for her. However, she's still going to be like being respected as the goddess feminine that she is and being honoured in that way. So chivalry is absolutely a great thing. But it's how you do it again. You don't want to be creepy about it. You want it to be honest. So if it's not your thing to do that, don't do it. Because if you fake it, you'll blow it. And, you know, dating is a game. Relationships are not. Love is not. But dating initially is a game and knowing the rules to help you get the best outcome is beneficial. Uh, So I think that courtship, you know, I was talking to my young daughter, young adult daughter last night, one of them, and knowing that, you know, I was coming to chat with you today. And I said, how would you feel if a guy just, you know, came up to you and said, hey, I really like you, I'd like to take you out. And she said, I think every girl would love that. But I think a lot of guys, though, would say that that depends a lot on how they come off, how they look, because the general perception is if you're unattractive and come off as a bit creepy, then that'd be totally weird. And if you were the opposite, then you know, maybe that would work. But it just such a leap to actually go and do that. Well, you know, if the guy has been, you know, born without attractive looks and he's going after a 10, well, that's batting outside your average. <laughs> And that's it. You know, like, like attracts like. And most people want to be with their own kind. You know, they want somebody that's got similar of everything, physical appearance, similar financial responsibilities or or attitudes, similar lifestyle, similar career goals, similar family values, spirituality, you know, everything. People want to be with somebody that is similar to them. But talking to someone on Tinder and, you know, out of the blue and you know, making jokes or making comments and building uh, some rapport that way, that's the norm now. That switch that's gone from being taboo to like quite normal, whereas now it would be seen as pretty weird to just walk up to someone and start talking to them. It would. And my daughter did say but. Mm. <laughs> she said every girl would like that but. If it comes out the blue from somebody you don't like, don't know, no, not on. If it comes out from the blue but from someone you do know, she believes that that would be awesome. So, you know, whether it's, you know, it's people that you've met at uni or at work, et cetera. Well, I don't know if work's really appropriate anymore, is it? That's back in the 80s, sorry. <laughs> I don't think it's changed too much. <laughs> well, it's still how we meet a lot of people, isn't yeah. it? Um, she still said, so I guess what, it, what the message in that is that guys don't need to be afraid to step up and ask for what they're wanting, you know, as long as it's not a 3 a.m. booty call. You've also got to make a read on what the vibe's been like there and you do open yourself up to getting rejected there, reading the play wrong, and it's a very difficult thing to do. Absolutely, and here comes the big kicker. Everybody is afraid of rejection. 
And so, for example, my daughter also said, and I think this is a great point, is that if somebody were to message her to ask her out, she would automatically be paranoid that this was a, a joke that a group of guys were all sitting around and like, let's suck in some girl. There's so much cruelty that's gone on and this generation has grown up with incredible amounts of cruelty and bullying and meanness from social media that starts in the high school you know, arena. And so people are more unlikely Skeptical. to believe genuine approaches. Mm. So you've got to be really careful of that because you may get rejected from a genuine offer because people are assuming, and again, we're back to that word, assuming. If you don't know, ask. Mind you, you don't want to make a fool of yourself either, so the chances are the girl's not going to say, are you genuine? You know. But if they were strong enough, they'd say, are you for real, really? How would I know this is for real and you're not hanging out with your mates and making me the butt of a joke? Mm. Um, but I do think it, to encourage men to step up in their vocabulary, in their communication, good communication, what is it that you really are feeling? And then practice, find the words and deliver it. You know, communication is becoming so lost face-to-face, unfortunately, because of all online media. And I think that's such an important step that has to happen for the basis of all good relationships, that you do have the ability and you learn to be able to speak your emotions and what you're feeling without fear of being rejected or ridiculed. You know, we've got to show some love to each other, to everybody, Mm. full stop. And this podcast is all about encouraging men to express themselves emotionally. What's the impact if we can't do that with our significant other or with whoever it is that we're seeing? Well, I can tell you what will happen in about 10 or 20 years if they end up in long, long term relationships, because that's actually exactly what we're seeing for those that are in their 40s, 50s and 60s. So the parents have had that the most common, probably 80 percent of separations or divorces that happen. The woman emotionally leaves the relationship five years before she physically does. When she physically does, the the male is going, oh, my God, like I, I knew we weren't great, but I thought well, our relationship was okay. Um, I, I'll go to therapy now. You've been, you know, asking me to go to couples therapy. I'll go, I'll go. But it's too little too late. And so the, the female will very silently and quietly withdraw and you won't know. And that's the danger. You have to learn to communicate. And when she's, when you say, do step up and say, you know, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. Well, nothing means plenty's wrong. You know, you really, look, women are complex, crazy creatures. I love us. However, I know we are really complex. And I'm kind of pleased I'm a girl and don't have to deal with, you know, dating or being in a relationship with a girl for me. <laughs> Hard work. However, we're amazing, beautiful creatures that are so heart-based and open and we bring so much to a a connection. So it is important that the young guys really do step up and learn to speak their truth. And what is their truth? It's when their thoughts, their words and their emotions are all in alignment. So you can't say one thing, feel another and think another. And women in general, sweeping generalisations everywhere here, Callum, um, but women in general are very good at reading nonverbal communication. And that's where if people are not speaking their truth, they're going to be in trouble. So you have to learn to do it. But it takes two. It's not just about the guys doing this. You know, what they have to do really first up is create a situation in their relationships where their partner is the soft place to land for each other. And so that open communication is able to happen. And I think if to sit down and say, you know what, I just want to talk to you about something. It's not a problem. It's not anything you have to fix. I just want to talk through some feelings I've got. I think that's the most beautiful thing anybody can do in a relationship. And guys are well known for not talking enough, not sharing enough, not expressing themselves enough. It's all right. Girls are known for talking too much. (laughs) Exactly. Why do you think that is? Is that, do you think there's a perception that, uh, it's not masculine to share those things and also just a fear of that vulnerability as well, fear of how they'll react. And then also you don't want to upset them. You don't want to say what you really think and that make a read that they might not want to hear that. And so rather than do that, just avoid it. Is that yeah. what happens? Look, tr- the majority of, of, of males will grow up being fixers. They will fix what's wrong in 
in their world, whether it's a friend, a lover, parents, siblings, whatever, they will fix. You know, if something's wrong, they will go in to fix. And so when a woman starts talking about, I want to talk, we've got to talk. I mean, that's... You're in trouble by that point. I know. But it's like it's like a red-hot poker stick's gone up the guy's backside and spine and he's sitting there going, oh, my God, no, not this, not this. This is like my worst nightmare. Mm. Because the male brain has gone into fixing mode and knowing that females are so good at talking about emotion and men don't understand that at the same level that they feel like they're going to be set up to do a job that they can't do and they're going to fail. So instead, it is about sharing vulnerability and knowing and just saying, look, I'd love to hear what you've got to say. I don't know if I'll have anything to contribute, but what I do have is I'll support you and listen and you tell me what to do and I'll be doing it. And and that I think that's wonderful. But where does it come from is what's been role modeled to them. So, you know, this is going back generations. You know, if I look at my grandparents and then I look at my father and then I look at my husband and my relationship and then we look at my children's relationships, you know, it is all getting better, but not quick enough. So I, I think that the masculine boys don't cry, boys shouldn't talk about their feelings, all of that is still there. And until that's gone from birth, until we have a generation that have been consciously birthed and raised, we're going to have this happen. So it's up to the individual to say enough. I've watched, you know, my dad not communicate with my mum or my grandparents not or or siblings' relationships, and the individual to choose their own power and decide enough's enough and I'm going to do it a different way. And it is a choice. And then it just takes a bit of practice. And so those situations, like you mentioned before, where you can tell something's wrong and then if the guy wants to at least make an effort to communicate and sort of says what's wrong and the girl typically goes, oh, nothing, you know, <laughs> and then you awkwardly just like, oh, fuck, like what do you what do you do in that situation? First of all, how do you avoid getting there? And then also how do you follow that up and actually avoid just going to bed with it being heaps awkward? Or Right, yeah. Look, you can't avoid getting there because we're not responsible for another person. And so a relationship is about having people that are individual, you know, whether it's cohabitating or spending time together. So you can't avoid it. However, what do you do when that happens? It's again, use your words. What is the truth? The truth is, I would. L- I want to help. I want to fix this. I don't know if I can, but let's communicate and talk. And so it doesn't have to be fixed in 30 seconds. You know, we, we are such a fast-paced society, but communication and connection takes time. And knowing that we are in a safe place is the most important thing. So if you create a safe place for your partner or to be able to express herself freely without her pointing If she's pointing fingers at you, just listen. You don't have to do anything except listen and say, I hear you. Women just want to be heard often. That's it. And I guess girls have to be accountable for that as well because if we say women are such good communicators, they always are willing to talk and express and guys don't want to listen. You know, if there's a situation like that where the guy says, okay, well, you know, tell me like what's going on and and they say, fine, I'm fine or I'm not, and they clearly show with their body language that they're not, and that's not really like going to help either. It's you not. both have to meet in the middle. And women that. might be good at communication and they might be good at understanding emotions, but it doesn't mean that they use them to be in rapport, in conflict, mm. you know, when they've got conflicting emotions that they're wanting to share. So I think that that when anybody moves into sarcasm, which is, you know, nothing, fine, you know, whatever. Um, well, it's passive aggressive, it isn't is it? It is absolutely yeah. passive aggressive, yeah. So whenever that happens... That's not the time to have a conversation unless you feel that you've got the skills to be able to help somebody move from being out of rapport mm. to moving in rapport. And that would look or sound something like, you know what, I, I can tell you're upset and I don't like it when you're upset. So do you want me to run a bath for you or can I? do you want me to give you a back massage to see if that helps you feel better? Yeah. Or do you want to talk about it but with us out fi- with us not fighting but being in rapport and wanting to support each other. Don't say, should I just go to the pub for a bit while yeah, you good luck with relax? That. How's that working for while you? While you calm down. <laughs> yeah, that's called uh, she's emotionally leaving the relationship and uh, see how that works. <laughs> but she she um, wants you to know that you've done the wrong thing or that you're not going about this the right way and that's where the, the passive aggression comes from. So perhaps... Like you said, if you've got the skills to be able to acknowledge that and hopefully get her to actually share 
what's going on, then do that. Otherwise, maybe just a bit of space and then approach, reapproach it. Absolutely. You reapproach, you know, having like date moments, you know, instead of the whole date thing, it can be if you're in a relationship, it, it particularly having 15 minutes at the end of the day where you just sit down, you've got a picky platter, maybe you've got a drink and you have no um, social media, no phones, no um, TV on, nothing. You just actually sit down and just talk about how was your day. And if you do that every single day, it creates a sacred space where you can start to bring up with, you know, I actually have been wanting to talk to you about this. And you can talk about it with two rational human beings Mm -hmm. that are not feeling overwhelmed or anxious or scared or whatever emotions of negative feelings are going on. So you start to set up your scenarios. So you build that habit and that way when something's actually happening, you have the communication lines in place. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yes, definitely. I think it's a really powerful thing to do. Where does self-love come into this whole picture in terms of getting the love that we think we deserve um, and maintaining relationships? What about actually loving ourselves to make that possible? Oh, Callum, you're just the best. These are the best questions Don't get all sucky with me. It's true. (laughs) It's true. Because self-love is number one. There is nothing else more important. And and self-love is... The, it, it's the gift that you give yourself so that you can create the life that you desire. And you will never have a healthy, long-term loving, supportive relationship if you don't work on your self-love. And this is where you were talking before, you know, about women going, nothing, nothing, or being, you know, potentially good communicators. If women haven't worked on self-love, they are going to play the blame game and they're going to blame you. And that's not how this should roll. This isn't about somebody doing something wrong or something right. It's about I am feeling as a result of some actions. So, you know, if, if, if you want to go to the pub every Friday night with your mates, and that can be completely fine. You know, she might want to go out with her girlfriends or she might want to binge on maths or whatever, you know. Um, if, the, if her sense of self-worth is strong enough to be able to know that you are not going out to the pub to see if you can find someone better, you know, that you're not going out to or to flirt so that you feel good, you know, that you are receiving external validation. When people feel secure in who they are and then they feel secure in what their relationship is, magic happens. I mean, I look at my own husband. I mean, as a matchmaker, I meet every, well, not every, but I meet an awful lot of Adelaide's eligible, lovely single men. How secure is here? He, you know, go off, have a good time at work. Because we've created that in our relationship. That doesn't mean it's perfect. It's far from that. That we can do this for each other. And it's not just about relationships. This can happen in the workforce. It can happen with your friends. It happens everywhere. The same love that you give to to yourself is what you will create in a healthy relationship. But self-love's crucial and you've got to do the work. And I guess by loving yourself, giving them permission to do the same, and it has to be two people who love themselves then loving each other. Absolutely. So Definitely. How, how do it is it's a pretty big question, but how do we do that? If, if you feel like deep down and it might hurt to look at this, but you don't actually think you do love yourself, where do you begin with working on that? Right. Look, often the first thing that people will be aware of if they're really starting this from scratch and never heard of this concept or done any work like this before is the negative voice in their head. It's the voice. Like, I'm not worthy of this. That's and therefore, right. I will sabotage that as an action of that thought. That's right. Well, it'll be the voice that will say, you're not good enough, funny enough, rich enough, smart enough, fill in the blank, you know. Hmm. And it's that voice that we've all got, and that voice is really loud. You've got to have a louder voice. You've got to be your own biggest cheerleader. And you've got to have a louder voice than that to be able to make sure that you're drowning out the negative voice. That's the first step. And so knowing what is that louder voice, you're kind, generous, giving, loyal, loving, sensitive, compassionate, and on and on we can go. But you've got to know that. And so you start with writing a list about all your positive traits. And people, if they get stuck here, select a really trusted friend, somebody who really loves you. Don't hand your power away to somebody that's, here's their opportunity to have a crack at you. You want to ask somebody that you really trust to give you two or three good points about yourself. And that'll get the ball rolling. You start writing this list to believe in your own value as a very deserving and worthy human being. And then from there, you start moving into looking at your shadow side, which is the things you don't like about yourself. E.g., I can be arrogant, opinionated and judgmental, but I have to own that. 
Self-love is owning that I'm all things and I can be all things. And then it's up to me to manage me. It's not up to somebody else to. I do it. And then I bring that whole person to the relationship. And what about fear of giving up some control? Because when you're single, you don't have to factor in anyone else into your life and, and the future of where your life's going because you think, well, I can move at any time. I can you know, take a new job at any time. I can go and do this holiday at any time. I can do whatever I want and never have to think about anyone else's feelings. What about um, moving towards a relationship and getting out of your own head with, oh, well, that's going to mean that I can't do this and I can't do that. How do you get out of that mindset and instead look at it as, well, it's going to mean that I can do all these things and I will be stronger in this way and that way? It's going to be different for every couple, you know, how that's navigated. However, in general, people will, as I said earlier, will likely pair up with people that are similar. So if it's, oh, I'm adventurous and I want to, you know, travel a lot or, you know, I'm open to the possibility of moving to XYZ city, if I get this great opportunity, your partner possibly will have that same free flowing way of being. However, typically, most people will move together into a partnership because they are hoping to do the whole picket fence, married, have children thing. And so that becomes that becomes a new dream, which surpasses some of the old dreams. But can you have your cake and eat it too? You can. You just can't have it all at the same time. That's all. So I don't think I've compromised anything at all in my life from being married and having children and, and travelling and saying yes and having fluidity in my life. It's just recognising that the time frame is going to be different. Mm. But it's all about the value. What is it that you're wanting in your life? Do you want children? That's a, a huge, fantastic thing for many people to do, not for everyone. So it's knowing yourself and knowing really what you want. So I don't so much think that many people experience getting out of their head to from that single thing to couple thing, it's more that they'll suddenly wake up and go, ah, I'm the last single guy in my group. Mm. Where's all my single mates gone? And that was me. I was the last single girl in my group uh, because I was, you know, traveling and doing cool things with a career and whatever. And Just waiting for the right one. Well, I was, which is why, you know, I found it really easy to write a book that had 50 self-sabotaging behaviors in there because I'd done 35 of them at least. We learn by experience, <laughs> don't we? Um, okay, so the question that men have been asking for centuries, what do women want and has that changed? Uh, yes, that's changed a lot, yes. So if I go back to my grandmother's days, they wanted uh, a roof over their head and financial security, you know, those hierarchical needs right down the very bottom. Um, we don't have to worry about that typically. I mean, I know some people do, but in general, most people have a roof over their head and they've got some sort of, you know, financial security so now what people are looking for, um, women are looking for men to have good emotional intelligence. Now, there's also hormonally the reproduction of the human race is where it gets really interesting because what's chemistry? So I think that chemistry is Mother Nature's way of having a bit of a laugh on us and saying, if you two get together, you will genetically have healthy babies. Um, so that, that's actually a good thing. But women will still seek a superior male to themselves subconsciously. So it's very controversial. Women will, listening to this would go, that's not true, that's rubbish. And I'm not saying consciously, I'm saying subconsciously. They will seek a superior man. Typically, that will be physically. They will often still want taller, bigger. Now, the guys that are not tall and big, don't worry about it because that's just one part of a whole great big complex package that women are looking for. Um, but they are looking for respect and confidence. Now, the number one sexiest thing that guys can bring to the table, deep, he's, he, you should see, he's smiling so much here. He's so hanging off my every word here. What is it? What is it? What is it? Tell me what it is. Self-worth really good self-worth. When a guy really knows himself, he's unshakable. And therefore, when a woman who is more fluid, you know, we we do get emotional. We are slightly cray-cray. You know, <laughs> it, it's okay, for, but, but that's what comes with the beautiful open heart based of the feminine. So the dance of the masculine and the feminine is for the guy to be really rock solid in who he is so when she goes a bit cray-cray, she knows it's her and not him. He's not the one making her go crazy. She's doing it to herself and then she will rebalance herself 
because she's got her rock beside her. Does that make sense? So what does that look like? Like a man who's got very high self-worth and is rock solid, like you're saying, <laughs> Not no sexual connotation there. <laughs> um, what does that look like? How, how does that man, uh, you know, live his life or what are some signs that someone's got really high self-worth? Okay. It's not what most people would automatically assume that this is the highly confident guy, the extrovert. It's not. Now, it may be. It may be. I'm not saying that a highly confident extroverted guy doesn't have good self-worth. He can. But really, it's the person that's neither extroverted nor introverted. He's very balanced. He is able to call on extrovertedness when needed. He's able to be more introverted when needed. He's, he's unshakable in that he knows who he is. So if somebody comes up and says, oh, you're a slime bag, he, he kind of, <laughs> that probably sounded like so 1970s then, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you slime ball. No, but you mean taking but, things to heart, like not taking yeah, things to heart. If like someone don't. says, you're, oh, you know, I disagree with you, you're this way, rather than go, oh, fucking your whole world collapses, yeah. you go, well, I don't agree with that. I didn't know we could swear on this. That's why I'm oh, yeah, using yeah, like yeah. 1970s yeah. childish language. Yeah, that's, a, that's entertaining too, <laughs> whatever. Um, so that's exactly right. It's they are not easily triggered because they know themselves, whereas people that have low self-worth can be triggered very easily. Um, low self-worth will look very needy. It looks like different things, but a model of it is very needy, constantly needing validation. That's exhaustive for the other person that's having to give that all the time, regardless of which gender. Mm. Um, good self-worth is quietly confident, quietly. Being able to read situations, know what's going on because they know themselves, they've got good emotional intelligence and knowing the right moments to be able to step up and be able to I guess be of service to the other at the right time. And that takes time and experience to build as well. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Absolutely. Would you say yeah. that going through stuff and getting out the other end of it is pretty crucial to building that quiet confidence? Absolutely. Self-ownership of your victim story, whatever your victim story is, whether it's a massive one that you've really been dealt some hard cards or whether it's something that is... Maybe other people might consider really minor, but for you it was deeply painful and hurtful. You do the work to understand why that happened and, and move through that with the wisdom. You know, it's like the 12-step program, that, well, Russell Brand's version, I should say, of the 12-step program is absolutely brilliant for anybody to do, regardless of if you've got no addictions at all. That book will take you through great self-awareness from, from what's my victim story, what is it that's happened to me, to the learning of the role that you played in it and why you played it and knowing yourself better. So therefore, you're not going to be triggered by that anymore. You are rock solid stable. Mm. And the classic notion of the man being the provider, you know, the woman's the housewife, that whole archetype no longer exists. What has been the impact of that on younger generations of men in well, terms of knowing themselves? It does still exist because women are still the ones that carry the babies. Mm -hmm. And until that changes... It will always have a role at a certain part of life. Interesting, though, we do see very high separation rates from relationships where women earn more money than the man. So, again, this is about equality and, and recognising that there is still some tribalness to us. You know, even though we've evolved as a society so much, there's still tribal desires and needs that are there. And genetically, we're no different. That's right, absolutely. So the money dance is an interesting one and, the you know, who's the provider, et cetera. It, it still comes down to, though, the strong communication because it's like breaking up household roles, you know. I do more than you, you know. That, that's where all the arguments stem from an imbalance. Every time you have a fight, all it is is two people that are fighting over who's got the biggest victim story. Actually, take that one in for a tick. I think mm. that's quite cool to get. Like when you start arguing with somebody, if you stop and think, oh, why don't I just hear what their victim story is and then I'll tell them mine and we're not competing. So I feel like it hasn't, it, it, it hasn't changed a lot because we've had women working for quite a long time now. Like most of the listeners here, their mothers would have probably been working mums and bringing in, you know, for some households, considerable income to match maybe their dads or, or very similar. Um, it's more the, the parental around the parenting thing, but we're both 
men and women can get paid parental leave. That's where the difference is that it's now not automatically assumed that the woman will give birth to a baby and then be the one raising the child at home for however long they can afford to to do that before moving back to the workforce. So that dance is different. In what aspects can men feel like they're needed still in terms of with a woman or, you know, with, sperm. A, with a partner? Yeah, yeah sperm. Next. No, I'm joking. <laughs> That's all we got. We can't take that. That's all we've got time for now. Okay. They can't take that from us. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> <laughs> you can, though. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like, you can yeah, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And I have clients that have done that. Absolutely. Yes. But where do men need women? You know, it, it, it's, it's a choice that we make to have a beautiful, loving relationship. And I come right back to one of your earlier questions at the beginning was, you know, what do people want? They want love. They still want love. It's the most beautiful thing in the world to be in a gorgeous, fun, stable, non-toxic relationship. It's the most challenging thing in life. It's the thing we grow the most with. So I think that it's all okay. You guys are still required. Um, so when is it okay not to be in a relationship? You know, we talked all about being in a relationship, healthy relationship, you know, that's the goal. So what about if I'm not in one and people around me are and I'm thinking, oh, I'm inadequate or judging myself, when is it okay to not actually be with someone it's else? It's always okay to not be in a relationship. You know, there's a cute little saying that says being being married doesn't mean happy any more than being single means unhappy. Mm. So it's okay anytime to not be in a relationship. However, the best time to not be in a relationship, when you're doing self-development, when you've decided that you're going to get to know who you are, you're going to tra- change patterns of behaviour that aren't serving you, that you're not happy with. When you decide that you know you want life to be different to what it has been, then that's the time to really nurture and love yourself and honour yourself, stay single, stay solo, so that you've got the space to grow as a human being and be the best version of yourself so that you can then start to attract a better experience. And when you're ready to get out there and start dating, you will meet somebody that is going to be of a higher calibre than what you have previously experienced. Mm, because you've made yourself into someone that's worthy of that. And you see that as a, as a pos- positive and as a necessity as well, because even if you're someone who's been in a relationship but never done any of that work, it's probably going to be the undoing of it anyway. That's right. Absolutely. You know, the universe has a funny way of sort of triggering us and bringing life lessons to us that we need. And often that comes from our life partner. You know, who our life partner is or who our current partner is, is the person that we're going to most learn from. How they make us feel, the good and the bad and the ugly, is where we're going to most grow. And so what's a, what's a checklist for the healthy young relationship that we should be aiming for? All right. Um, ah, that's a good one. All right. The first thing I think is own your own stuff. Both of you. So if you, you're in the dating game and, and she's always a victim and always blaming everyone else and telling you all of her ex stories and how they were all psychos, well, you're going to be the next psycho, all right? So just know that, that you'll be, she'll be on another date talking about you as a psycho. So owning your own stuff, you know, in versus if you are having a conversation about exes, and please don't do it on the first half a dozen dates. It's boring. Especially not it's the boring. first one. And you're so being judged, especially the first one. And second and third, you're being massively judged and you will get ruled out. Yeah. So, you know, instead you want to, it looks like her saying something like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, I've dated a bit and I had a relationship recently and, you know, he was a really nice guy and it was it was good for a while. Uh, then it went a bit pear-shaped. But, hey, it was a good experience overall and I'm single now and I'm really enjoying getting to know you. Now, that's owning your own stuff or... You know, yeah, I had a tough day at work today. My, bu- my boss kicked my butt and, to be honest, I probably deserved it a bit. Self-ownership, you know, versus everything is, if everything is everyone else's fault, you're going to be on that list too in the relationship, totally. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so when we're, when we're in a relationship and we've been in it for, for some time, uh, how do we know that it's a good relationship, especially if we don't have lots of experience with past relationships? Okay, so a non-toxic relationship is going to look like one where you've got beautiful communication, where you feel there are no secrets. Now, everyone has privacy, but I think it's where you feel like you can say anything to your partner in rapport, not out of rapport, in rapport, and be okay with that. You know, So it's having that really good communication. If you are 
nervous about talking about anything with your partner, then you've got to work on those skills. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not a good relationship. It just means it's got work to do. And what can your partner do to encourage you to be uh, comfortable coming forward with that? It's so important that we create a safe place for people to be vulnerable. And so the easiest way is to guarantee that you won't be judging the other person because that's what we fear. We fear that we're going to, the relationship will change or someone's not going to like us as much anymore if we are vulnerable, if we do share our fears, particularly if we're sharing stuff about ourselves that we don't even like about ourselves that we're wanting to work on or things that have caused us shame. You know, men feel great shame and women feel guilt in general and men feel shame. So if if a female is not making a man feel ashamed, if she can make him feel very safe to speak his truth, that's going to be great. And likewise, if you can not make a female feel guilty, find a way to not invoke that emotion because they're both very strong triggers for the different genders in general. What's the difference between shame and guilt? Oh, that's a great question. Shame is like embarrassment. It's it's an internal thing that says I could have done better. Guilt is another emotion that makes us feel like I've made the wrong choice but I have to live with it or I made the wrong choice and I wanted to make that wrong choice and I'm feeling really guilty about that because it potentially hurts another. So guilt is normally about, not always, but often about hurting another or in, in or involving another. Although it can be yourself. It can be, you know, oh, yeah, I ate three of those donuts today and I wasn't going to do that. Um, but shame, men will feel shame because they, are, they will internalise it as not good enough not manly enough, whatever that it'll be. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. There's a big question. What do we do to stop uh, or make it so women don't feel guilt? What, what can we say or, or do that makes that emotion, you know, not come forward? I think you actually can ask, you know, do you feel guilty in your life? Do you get guilty about things? And if you start the conversation, I would say I would feel guilty. I hate doing housework. Absolutely. I've just detested it forever. I'm not a princess. I would rather go and work however many hours. If I've got a, a cleaner for three hours, I'll go and work somewhere else for three hours doing something I enjoy more and pay them that money. Um, but I have in the past had guilt around that, guilt that my husband does more around the house than I do because I hate it so much. It's that kind of guilt. So if he is saying, you feeling guilty about anything, I'll go, yeah, you're doing all this stuff and I actually, I'm exhausted and I want to sit and relax and I'm Netflixing for the next afternoon. But, the but afternoon. by him cleaning the house and doing what needs to be done, is he then <laughs> making you feel guilty as well? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know, we're crazy. So what are, you, you. what are you doing Not about just that, that, it's also called foreplay though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just remember so what you, that. But you can't just let the house get dirty in that example, obviously. So what does he, he knows no, that you I don't like. I bring in a cleaner. Yeah. And then that's it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> and then he'll go, well, I think that the, the tiles need scrubbing. So he'll start scrubbing the tiles and I'll just go, hmm. And then you, but then you feel guilty. And I feel guilty. Yeah, it's like I'm not getting down on my knees and doing that as well. No. And that's his fault. That's right. Totally. What? <laughs> okay, this is where you lose us. <laughs> no, it's not his fault at all. It's not. But, but if we have really good communication, then he can just say, I'm doing this. And don't feel like you've got to match me. I want to do it. I'm okay doing it. And I go, good, fine. But no. I bring other value. It's it, it's this whole balance thing, you know, which you, you've asked about, you know, money within a relationship and providing and all of that. It's all this balance that's constantly changing, epping and flowing. So having the ability to be able to openly ask all the time, how are you feeling? Are you feeling guilty about it? I met this chick or I heard her on a podcast and she said women feel guilt. What are you feeling guilty about? Mm. You know, ask. Yeah, and by that way, can I just drop in, you know, all housework is foreplay. It seriously is. Yeah, right. Seriously. Okay. And actually when people say to me what's good foreplay, when a guy asks me what's good foreplay, it's everything that happens from the moment you open your eyes to close them. Okay. So how do we be in control of that? What do you mean? It means that a woman will, a woman will have a great sexual connection with you and a desire for intimacy if, she feels like everything about the two of you has been great. You've got to do everything right. Yeah, that's right. No, it's not like that. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it's, it's just you don't have to do everything right. There is nothing about right and, right and wrong. It's about communicating. That's it. You know, it's 
it's like, you know, you come home and you say, I'm re- I've had a headache all day, I really need to chill. And you might say, look, I'm sorry, I was planning to do this, this and this, but I've got to take a chill pill. Yeah. But that's fine. It's open, respectful communication. Rather than, you know, you're not feeling particularly good and not explain that, but then just act detached. And then you or- just sit in front of the TV. You walk in the front door, you throw your boots on the floor, and yeah. you lie on the couch and, and that's where you sit all night and she's going, great. Yeah. Passively, then- you're just getting me to do everything. But- I'll, I'll cook dinner. I'll do the dishes. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a load of washing on. So it's it's the kind of behaviours that allow the man and the woman or the man and the man or the woman and the woman to be trapped in their own story narrative of what's going on. So because you're not communicating, one of you is thinking, oh, well, they're acting this way because of this and that, and then that just snowballs in their mind. And the other person's, well, if it's a man, they might not be thinking anything at all. They've just had this happen, but they haven't, they haven't communicated. <laughs> what are you saying there, Callum? Well, we might just be thinking of like, you know, not much at all, but – and behaving in a certain way, but because we're not being conscious of how our body language and lack of communication is making them feel, they're thinking in their head, this, 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 and, then, right. uh, and then it all, you know, shit hits the fan. Which is that. why I always say the number one self-sabotaging behaviour is inaccurate assumptions. And so you've, you're lying on the couch having done nothing, and then I'm assuming that you're just being lazy and expecting me to just pick up and do everything. That's that's the inaccurate assumptions. If we don't know, we've got to ask and communicate. Yeah, you know, which which is so really important. Just don't don't assume. Say this is what's up with me right now. This is that's why. Right. So that's right. There it absolutely. is. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, yeah, definitely. And the other thing that you can do for connection. Can I chuck in something that I love sharing? You chuck in whatever you chuck want. Chuck in whatever I want. Okay, is the five love languages. Now, are you familiar with these, Callum? Yes, actually, okay. my girlfriend made me do this test last night. That's not a joke. That's legit. Oh my gosh! Yeah, my and number my number one was quality time, right? And the number two was words of affirmation. I've, I knew words would be in there because you wouldn't be doing this job if <laughs> words wasn't one of your ways. And then of it was acts of service, acts of service, and then uh, gifts was last. All right, and so she's not getting prezies. Well, no, she <laughs> is. She is getting prezies, but both of us were rated gifts at the bottom. Yeah, I, a lot of people don't actually rate them high. Mm. It's my last one, and yet my mother, it's her first one. Yeah. So that causes different love languages. At Christmas you know? time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, 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 I know how to spoil her. Yeah. But what the five love languages are for people that haven't heard about it is that we all have a dominant way of feeling love. Are you okay for me to explain yeah, this? Because yeah, I yeah. think people would like be interested. Yeah. So we all have a dominant way of feeling love. And there are five different ways that we do that. So we've got words of affirmation, which both Callum and I are. And there's, so normally people that talk a lot, that's going to be their thing. Um, There's quality time. So what's important here is that if you were partnered with a really busy executive who's getting on planes and jet setting around the place all the time, you would likely struggle. You'd have to really put some effort into how are we going to connect Uh, when she's away, right? Um, We've got gift giving, which it doesn't mean spending money. There's so many ways that you can be really creative with giving gifts. It could be, you know, I was was walking, you know, down the road tonight on my way back from work and and I saw this flower on the the ground and I picked it up and thought of you. You know, that's a gift. Um, Acts of service. So my husband is acts of service. And I'll tell a story about that in a tick. And then the last one is quality touch. Oh, sorry, is touch, not quality. It's quality well, touch. Maybe it is quality. Hopefully. <laughs> Actually, I've got a really good book if people want it's to know about creepy touch. how to be good at that. Oh, gosh. Um, it's another podcast. Okay. Uh, it is actually, yes. So, um, but touch. Now, before all of you guys go, yeah, I'm touch, touch, touch. That's me. That's me. I'm touch. It's like, no. It's touch is where people want to hug. Or if you're sitting next to someone, you know, you have your hand on their leg or the, your legs might be touching. And, and so my first is words and my second is touch. So I'm a hugger. Mm. But somebody who has that last and you go to hug them and, oh, no, don't you come near me. Yeah, but for, for us, um, like touch wasn't that high, but we actually were always in contact of some sort. But I think it's because we take it for granted because we're all we're both quite touchy, but we're just like, oh, yeah, you know, that's just normal. That's just how we are that... Perhaps when it comes to answering the test, the questions for the test, you don't value it as highly because you're like, oh, you know, what means more? And it's like, well, I take, you're already I, getting that. I you're take not- that as a given, so therefore I'm not as affected by it. 
Yeah. Whereas I guess if you're in a relationship where you don't touch much, if they touch you, you'd be like, oh, my God. yeah. You know? But if you do it all the time, you'd be like, oh, well, that, that's just all the time. I mean, if there's you, not the need. There's yeah, no, it's I'm not- sure if she stopped touching me, I'd be like, what the fuck's going <laughs> yeah, on? <laughs> absolutely. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's where, you know, you got to get the apron on. Yeah. Uh, but look, the way that this looks in relationships, you know, why is this so important is that people will say they don't feel loved. And I will look at what is their love language and they're not speaking the same language. So one of the most powerful ways, and I've done this in corporations, I've gone in and got people's love languages and helped, you know, in conflict where um, people are not getting along to start talking the same love languages and their quality of connection improves so much. Mm. So an example is my husband and I, where we go, I'll go, oh, you don't love me anymore, you know, you don't bring me flowers, whatever. No, it's not that. But um, I will be having a moment and he'll go, what do you mean I don't love you? I've just washed your car. And I'll say, I couldn't care less about my car. And that's because his love language is acts of service mm. and mine is words. And so what has to happen is we can intellectualize it. He washes my car and I can think, right, okay, he's doing that. Yes, he does love me. But if I want to really feel it, he's got to use words. Mm. And if I want him to feel my love, I'm going to go wash his car. Yeah. So you've got to adapt to your partner's That's right. You've language. got to give as a give You've got to give their language. Yeah. 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 And so that's my next question is how can we express our love in a way that's authentic to us but to them as well? I mean, if if giving uh, acts of service makes me feel uncomfortable but it's what they want, what do I do? Suck it up and do it? Yes. Yeah. Next? No. <laughs> no, yes. No, it is. But at the same time, even though we do these tests and look – People will have, I've got two very strong languages and then the other three are quite weak. It doesn't mean that if somebody is um, doing an act of service, I don't feel it. I, I'm very grateful or gives me a gift. Absolutely. Or wants to spend time with me. I'm just not needy yeah. in those ways. You're not looking for that. That's right. So yeah. it doesn't matter. You can use your own natural love language and it will most of the time be well received. I just wanted to say too, you were talking about, you know, and guys are thinking about nothing. This is a big tip too, because one of the crazy dances between the masculine and feminine is women saying, you know, what are you thinking about? And it's like, well, I'm thinking about mowing the lawn. I'm about to go and mow the lawn. And they'll go, yes, okay. And you go and mow the lawn. And she says, well, what are you thinking about now? Yeah. I'm thinking about mowing the lawn. Yeah. And women don't get this. They don't get only last night. I We finished dinner and my husband gets up and goes over to the sink. Didn't take a single plate. Why? Because he was thinking about what he was about to do to get mm. a cup of tea. Whereas a woman would go, I'm going to go and get a cup of tea. I'm going to go and put the kettle on. And at the same time, I'll take these plates and I'll drop those on the sink. But while that's boiling, I'll pick up the wet towels yeah, off so the So there's bathroom. a lot of thoughts going on yes, about managing a whole lot crazy. of things. Our minds are crazy. We, yeah. can, we can multitask incredibly. And that's one of the key differences. It is a massive Whereas difference. Whereas we're going, yep, I'm thinking that thing. I'm doing that. That's it. Well, there is science now that says men have one thing going on at a time like in your brain I think of it as drawers you have one drawer coming out and that's the drawer you're doing but what's amazing about that is that when you're doing it you're doing it a hundred percent and you do it very very well we would describe it as being absolutely and I agree with you absolutely I know we're teasing here but I totally agree but what so many women don't know so you know guys listening to this educate your women about this that your brain does operate differently carefully and yes, very carefully. Yes, yes. And, but, but it's done again with love in rapport and go, you know, it amazes me how you multi-skill. You know, I know that women are so good at this and you're particularly good at it. You know, give her the praise and just say, but I know I do one thing at a time. And I just want to explain that because I don't know if you know that about me or about all of the men in this world. But it's a good thing to know because you could get frustrated expecting me to match you on your multitasking. Yeah. I can't. I'm not yeah. going to ever be able to I'm match I'm not it. being passive aggressive by not doing those things. I just literally didn't think of it. That's right. Absolutely. And so don't assume that I did think of it, but I just That's ignored right. it. Yeah. And, you know, I need to walk my own talk because I kind of didn't really do that to my husband last night, did oh. I? Did you pick up the dishes on the way? <laughs> get a good nagging. Uh, if a guy is getting the same undesirable result and we focus young guys particularly, Mm -hmm. with different women time and time again, same pattern, what do they need to look at? Themselves. Okay, what's not working? And there'll be so much that they can change. Now, if they get really quiet within themselves, don't allow a massive snow job to be done on yourself, you know, where you just do a real good beat up of, 
I'm hopeless, I'm blah, 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 blah. Because that's that self-love thing again. That's right. But get very quiet and ask yourself, what is it that you think women are not responding to? You'll know what it is and then fix it. And then also the other side where it's like, well, she was a psycho, she was a psycho, she was a psycho, she was a psycho, all these girls are the same. You're missing the point. That's right. Absolutely. Without a doubt. You've got to look at yourself. If there's a pattern, it's always self-ownership. If, let's say you were attracting all the psychos, and that could all be very true victim story, you're Mm. still attracting them, and it's because you're a vibrational match for them. Because you're a psycho. That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) Or, Or... you are somebody, you know, the really gentle, sweet guy that he I, enables that. Absolutely. Well, he's so easily read. Mm. The psycho likes to play with that person. Yeah. You know, I will say to, for example, when a woman comes to me who's a very strong alpha woman and she says, I need a man stronger than me, and I go, great, I'll line up the narcissist and sociopaths for you. Yeah. Because that's the only match for her. Until she learns to soften in the relationship, they're the only guys stronger than her that will be attracted to her. Mm. The beta guys will be attracted to her, but she doesn't want them. Mm. So if you are a beta guy or if there's things that you can change, there's everything that you can change. They might say, oh, but I'm a really weeny figure. I ha- I'm not handsome. Yeah. It's like get in the gym. It's a story you tell yourself as well, isn't it? Yeah. You're like, well, I'm this way and I have to be that way, so she has to be that way. It's like, well, not really. You just tell yourself that you're like that. Absolutely. We can change anything about ourselves. We can change our physical appearance if we choose. We can change our mental um, way of relating. We can change what we talk about. We can change everything about us, everything, our emotions, the whole lot. So it's it's time to look at yourself and start doing some work. Yeah, and not be a victim as well. That's right. But how empowering is it when you know what's wrong, then you can fix it. Yeah, if you want to, because also yeah. changing yourself is harder. You have to really be honest and it's probably going to hurt. So a lot of people you'd think- But would, people are hurting them anyway. Well, yeah, that's right. They're getting hurt anyway. Yeah. and So if, what's the difference? And you're I'm taking like, the power away from yourself if you're blaming others as well. That's right. I actually think it's easier to blame me than other people. Yeah. I can't control other people. That yeah. places me firmly in a victim role. But then also know that you're not hopeless and don't think, oh, well, it's always going to be this way. I'm always going to hurt people in this way or do this. You've got to be able to say, no, I just need to change some things. That's right. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and it could be it could be as simple as, you know what, you've got bad hygiene. You need to shower more and get better at it. That's an important one. <laughs> it is an important one. Absolutely. Or it could be you get nervous and talk too much. Like classic that women will say all the time was, and there's memes all over the internet of, of you know, oh, that was a great date. Didn't it's ask memes, me one- Jane. Oh, it's me- memes. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> Showing your age there. I couldn't let that one slide. <laughs> but you see, self-worth, I laugh, I own it. Yeah, it's me. I'm yep. old. That's okay. Kids laugh at me and I still don't worry. That's self-worth. But there are sayings all over the internet that will say, you know, oh, great first date, didn't ask me one question. Mm. And the guy's going, blah, 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 blah. And that's because he likes her and he's got nervous and he's trying to share everything about himself Mm. so that she can hook in on something and like it. Mm. But a good conversation is like a ping pong match, back and forth, back and forth. Um, Loving someone for who they are now, not who you want them to be. Yes, women in particular are very bad at falling in love with men's potential. Mm. So, guys, you've got to watch that they're not falling for who you could be versus who you are because the pressure is going to be on you forever and you want them to love you for who you are right now. That's a that's a really big one for young women particularly. And they always think, you know, oh, yes, but I could change. I like 80%. 80% I'm going to change that other 20%. Mm. No. And are some women looking to find a project like that? They absolutely. enjoy the... Know, wanting to try and change someone? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not healthy. But, yeah, they will. There's loads of them out there. And what about men when they're with a girl doing the same thing? You know, you, you can't be with someone based off, oh, well, their life should go this way and they'll probably achieve this and that. And I like the idea of that. So I'll fall in love with that idea rather than who they are. Then you place pressure on them. That's not fair. And what does that do to a relationship? Mm, absolutely. Well, it, it's not going to work. It won't, it'll crumble without a doubt. You have to have, you know, some solid foundations. You've got to be able to to build the relationship in the same direction, not in different directions. And so who you are now, as well as, you know, your five-year and your long-term and whatever goals, they are all really important to be on the same page around. Things do change, but falling in love with potential anyway on, on either side is just a no-no. Mm. Last question. 
what can we do right now to create the love that we want, whether we're in a relationship or not? Love yourself more. As you love yourself more, you've got more love to give. That's it. It all comes back. Every single story comes back to self-love. And self-love is self-worth, self-respect, self-actualization, self-confidence. Beautiful. Thank you, Jane. My pleasure. Happy Valentine's Day. If you got something out of this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show so we can keep bringing you the content that matters. If you want to stay up to date with what we're doing and get involved, get onto the Youngblood Podcast Community Facebook group and follow Youngblood Podcast on Instagram. And if you're keen to get in touch with me, email youngbloodpodcast, all one word, at hotmail.com. This podcast was produced by the talented Rory Noak at Podbooth. You can check them out at podbooth.com.au. This is Youngblood. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time.